Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us?
Would you please pray with us? Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we've um, been given another opportunity that we can come here together and worship you. Lord, we pray today that you would open our hearts and our minds once again to receive your message and focus on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. See how great 
God. Please turn and greet one another. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. So grateful that you joined us in worship today. I want you to turn in your bulletins to our announcements. We frame them in our five practices. We think it's a good idea for you to be able to go along with us in those uh, practices in the bulletin. Um, First, we believe in radical hospitality. We do everything possible to make sure you feel welcome here. We're grateful that we've got these bleachers over here for spillover. You're also more than welcome to sit at these tables. Because we have new, brand new chairs, we have an excess of chairs, which means we can leave the CEP tables up, which means you can sit there and enjoy your coffee and your donut at a table. Uh, If you like, you can stay there throughout the service if you want or, or not. Uh, We have visitor cards and prayer cards. If you would like to share those with us, if you'll please raise your hand, an usher will bring you a card. If you want to share your prayer concern with our group, it will be uh, confidential, but for uh, going to the group, they pray faithfully every Tuesday morning uh, for you, for our church, for um, the community, uh, for anyone really. So if you'd like to share one, please raise your hand and they'll bring you one. Uh, The United Methodist Women Fall Luncheon is coming up next Sunday. So as the attendance register is coming around, we ask if you're interested in going, if you'll please sign up, excuse me, (coughs) excuse me, Um, if you'll please sign up on the register, just put your name and the number of people that you want to come. We want to do two things at once, so make sure that you write very clearly. Uh, The Supper at 6 is also coming up, so if you want to put your reservation down in the exact same fashion uh, for the Supper at 6, just put that out uh, on the attendance register and the number of people coming. Uh, we have a presentation by Reverend Laura Bratton. I know her well because uh, she grew up at Buncombe Street. She's a minister at Lawrence Road United Methodist Church, which if you're going on Lawrence out of Greenville, it's just about a block off the road uh, on the right. She's the author of a book, Harnessing Courage, Overcoming Adversity with Grit and Gratitude. And she's going to tell us about losing her sight uh, but triumphing over that adversity. Uh, each family gets a copy of the book with... Uh, your registration, and that's $8 for adults and $5 for children. We normally set up in here. uh, Because of um, her speaking to us and the audio and all that, we're going to meet in the social hall. Uh, So we encourage you uh, to be in there for um, uh, chicken tenders, green beans, mac and cheese. That's $8, and I'm telling you, it will be worth your time. We believe in passionate worship. You know, I don't talk about the other service frequently in the service that I'm in, but I'm grateful that we have both. Uh, We have this service at 9 o'clock, and you're not going to hear me say the word contemporary very often uh, because I'm not a real big fan of it. I think it kind of puts a slight on traditional, and I think people have certain connotations with that word, and I don't think our service uh, goes in line with those connotations of kind of being dated, being in opposition to the traditional service. I think this embraces a lot of the same practices traditional does. We just have a different musical style and worship style. So if you uh, come to this service 100% of the time, uh, but sometimes you're late, I'll tell you we have an excellent traditional service as well. And you'll hear me refer to them more often than not as their times, the 9 o'clock service and the 11 o'clock service. We even believe in intentional faith development. And today is the first day uh, that Miss Aaron has taken uh, children to Children's Chapel that are third grade through fifth grade. 
Uh, she's taking the younger guys, and we'll continue to do that once a month. But today is third grade through fifth grade, so if you'd like to go with Miss Erin, if you'll go uh, now, they're going to be dismissed at this time to go to the chapel. Chapel, a number of people have said, we have that chapel on the second floor in the sanctuary, and they say, we just don't use it enough. Uh, Miss Erin's using it uh, for children's chapel, uh, which I think is great. It's a great use for that space. We also have Sunday night uh, programming uh, tonight, um, 5 o'clock for children, youth, and adults. Uh, the children start in the straight room. Uh, the youth start here in the gym. The adults are in the social hall, and each Sunday stands on its own. You're more than welcome to come at 5 p.m. It ends at 6.30. We believe in risk-taking mission and service, and you're going to continue to see um, ways in which we can contribute to hurricane relief. The mission and service team meets today directly following the 12 o'clock service. Uh, we'll meet briefly to discuss uh, how we can contribute what you've given and what we have in our own funds uh, to, to um, hurricane relief. Uh, we believe in extravagant generosity. It's on the back page of your bulletin. You'll see that um, y'all are very generous. We take that generosity very seriously. We do our very best to be good stewards of that and um, have the best church possible. So thank you for going along in your bulletin. Please sign in the register um, if you need to, and please indicate the number of people that are coming. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this day, for this hope of joining together, for a vibrant crowd, for tremendous music, for the opportunity to pray corporately, for the chance to read the text, for the chance to understand, to live, and to believe. So as we read this text today about working, about fairness, about generosity, about chaos, about covenant, help us, Lord, to see every angle, every opportunity, and the ways in which we've responded in the near past and the far past and the opportunities we have to respond in the future. Bless us, Lord, as we read this text today. Bless us as we pray the prayer you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to start off with an image. Y'all like seeing that on the clock? Yeah. You ever roll over and see it? That's about the time I wake up each day. Not always the time I get up. Um, because mine's not necessarily fixed. In the school year, Katie takes the girls to school. They all go to the exact same place. And I walk the dog when uh, we're both ready. And then I come up here and do whatever I'm going to do for the day. But at 6 o'clock, it's the time that whatever I left yesterday floods in. Whether it be a small detail from yesterday, whether it be a tidal wave that's been uh, the last six weeks, I wake up, I roll over, I look at the clock and see what time it is, and then all that stuff floods in. You ever feel all that stuff flooding in, and then you immediately grab for your phone to look at what's going on in the news? or what's going on in sports, or what's going on in anything really, to not think about the flood that just came in your brain of stuff that you've got to do. It might be 
a stacked schedule that I have today. It might be um, a hard conversation that I have to have today. It might be paperwork that I have to give to the district at the annual conference today, and I think, oh, please don't make me do that. But something I've never wondered, in all that worrying and all that flooding, I've never thought since I was 22, will I have a job today? There's a lot of trouble. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of um, conflict in being a United Methodist pastor and moving from church to church. But when you are ordained in the United Methodist Church, but for things that you do that are horrific, you have a job. So at 6 o'clock, when those things rush in, I don't always remember that. I think, oh, here we go. Reading this text for 10 days, that's about the normal time that I read it when we're prepping the podcast and we're doing the notes and we're recording the show and we're editing it up and then I'm looking the whole week leading up to Sunday. I've read this text for 10 days and it's made me acutely aware, not in experience, but of the experience in the text of wondering if you're going to have a job and it gives me perspective. Verse 1. kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After he agreed with the workers to pay them a denarian, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went out around nine in the morning and saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went. Again around noon and then at three in the afternoon he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon, he went and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day long? Because nobody's hired us, they replied. He responded, you also go into the vineyard. So what we have is chaos. It's interesting to me that the landowner went. The owner of the business was the one going out and finding people. Now, I know we've got a ton of small business owners in this church and in this community, and I know that when it comes down to it, there's times when you have to be the one, no matter what. No matter if you're tired, no matter if you've been going for two days straight, no matter if you delegated it to a person and it didn't work out, if it's your small business, it's your name on the card, it's your name on the truck, you're going to have to go out there and do it. So this owner is out there looking for people for work that has to be done. It's not optional. It's not if we can, you know, if you can get to it. You ever say that to somebody? How often does that work out? It's not if we can get to it. This is work that has to be done today. And I'm wondering if there's people out there that can do it. Do you small business owners ever think, uh, ever have to wonder what that feels like? in the text. Hmm. So as he goes out to that chaos, there's people out there who know one another, who are standing there waiting. They know one another because they're related. They know one another because they stand out there each day. 
They know one another's strengths. They know one another's weaknesses. They've been hired for different jobs at different places for different times for probably years. And so you know what that person can do. And well, how would you feel about that person who's there, who's hoping to be hired when you're hoping to be hired too? How would you feel when that person is related to you? How would you feel if that person is your neighbor? You and your neighbor out there on the sidewalk hoping together equally to get a job in which there's only one position. Wouldn't that be uh, uh, unsettling? Wouldn't that strain your relationship? It's chaos. And as he says later on in the text, there's doing nothing. He says, what you doing out here doing nothing? Have you ever felt that there was enough that wasn't right about a situation that you had to fix? That you didn't even know where to get started? You didn't even know how to begin, so you think, I've got these six things to do. I better see what's happening on Netflix. I've got these six things to do for work. I better straighten up my entire house. I've got this major project that's hanging over me. You know, but the attic, the attic's really, really nasty. I should clean out the attic, right? Whatever it is, you're thinking, it's too much for me to even handle. I've got to do something else. That's one reason you do nothing. But another reason you do nothing is something you may have been familiar with as well. You haven't been chosen. And not being chosen for something as small as kickball and as big as a major career opportunity causes you to think, well, come on, man. I've got something to contribute. I've got something to give. And if you were not chosen at 5 a.m., 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., would you still be there at 3.01? Maybe if you had no choice. But what you have in that situation is a bunch of workers and an owner who needs work and a whole lot of chaos. I'll tell you the second thing we have is covenant. He says to some, it's an amount. It's guaranteed. That's the covenant that he struck with the very first people. To some, it's what's fair. It's an educated guess. Have you ever had a differing opinion on what you thought was fair and what somebody else thought was fair? Has that already happened this morning? Absolutely. It happened over there at the donut table. Right? We're going to do it for what's fair. That'd be an educated guess. And then there's go ahead. He doesn't even say anything. Doesn't even say what they'll make. But he's made a partial or complete covenant with each group that's out there that's come at each time. Now, if you ask biblical scholars, if you ask commentators about this text, they'll tell you, the number one thing people do when they see an authority in a parable is figure it's God. And then when they see the secondary authority, they figure it's Jesus. 
And then when they see the people, they figure it's us. But then they see in that parable mistreatment, sometimes anger, sometimes bitterness, sometimes from the authority figures, and it makes you say, wait now, what is Jesus saying about God and what is Jesus saying about himself? And that's when you see counter-commentators who say, no, this isn't about God and Jesus and the people. This is about a, this is about a point, an image. You know who's right? Yeah, me neither. I don't know. But I can tell you that God frequently takes things from chaos to covenant. From we're wandering around to now we're on a path. From I've committed murder to I'm leading people out of Egypt. From I've had so many broken relationships, the community has pushed me to the edge of town to I'm the one telling the town about the love of Jesus. From I am so sick and gone mentally to I'm now clear-headed and participating. From I'm so sick from a body standpoint and have never been healthy enough to be in the community to I'm now in the community. God and Jesus equally took people in the midst of total chaos and gave them an opportunity for covenant. Not an opportunity for the perfect life they ever wanted where they never had to do anything else. Not an opportunity to have more money than they ever wanted. Not an opportunity to never get sick again. But an opportunity to participate in a covenant offered by God or Jesus. I don't know for certain. But I do know that we attempt to go the other direction when we're in the midst of chaos. I'll give you an example. Jesus, if you will please, then I will potentially, if you will please, whatever this is, I will totally seriously think about whatever this is. Think about that if. Give me something that I want this second that I've delayed for some time asking about and gotten myself in a pinch if, if you do this, I'll think about doing this, whatever it is. That's our version of the covenant when it goes that direction. You ever have someone approach you and say, hey, uh, um, you need a um, kitchen straighten up, right? You needed somebody to run that project, right? You needed whatever it is, right? Approaching you with something that you desperately need so that they can establish a covenant with you so that they can potentially have a promise so that they can get what they want. The promises we make are a little different. And we struggle with them. The covenants that God makes in chaos are not. They're giving us true opportunity. Verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, each one received a denarian. 
Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarian. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked one hour, and they received the same pay as we did, even though they had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one who was hired last the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I'm generous? So those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. So what we typically do is think, what are they going to do the next day? After this happened. Who's showing up at 4 a.m. the next day? Who wants to break out the shovel all day long the next day when there's potential that the people who showed up at 5 p.m. got the same pay as you? Now, I really don't think that's the point of it. I think he's trying to hit this one spot in this one moment for them to understand. But if you were to carry it forward, I think I still would show up because what would, I wouldn't want that guarantee. It's just personality types. But what I want you to think about is that time you start to grumble. That's your next phrase. That point you start to grumble. How many covenants do you think you have going right now? Over, under, five and a half. Relationship, covenant. Work, covenant. Church, covenant. Friendship, covenant. Pet, covenant. College football, covenant. School covenant. There's a point in each of those in which we are like, yeah, man, this is the greatest idea I've ever heard. I'm in. Or I have to do this. I have no choice. One of those two. But then there's the point when we say, I don't know, man. Is this the best thing I could do? Is this the best promise I could have made? You start asking about terms when you move on from the day that you made the covenant. Do we really have to do this? When fatigue sets in, the worst levels of fatigue cause us to question everything we're doing, including, do I want to do this job? Do I want to be with this person? Do I want to be in this church? Do I want to go to this school? Because I'm tired. And when I'm tired, I don't know. I think it's that person's fault. They're annoying And I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I'm just throwing out suggestions. I'm not talking about um, my personal life. Lots of people will go up to Katie after sermons and be like, how's it going? Is it going well? (laughs) When you're tired, you think, do I want to keep doing this? Do I want to honor this promise that I made? Fatigue makes us a coward. And man... Nothing can make us want to shred the terms or recognize our own fatigue than when we start comparing how we're doing against our peers. In 2004, I went to a church about this size as an associate and had never really paid attention to the budget. And I looked at the budget in the first finance meeting that was like 12 pages long. The budget I left behind in Seneca was about a page and a half long. And in that budget... The staff salaries were lumped together. But mine was set apart. 
what I didn't realize at the time is that the minister's salary has to always be set apart because it's part of the uh, fundamental decision-making of the church and has to be reported in whatever you're doing. I said, why, why is mine set apart and everyone else lumped together? And a staff member said to me, I'll give you two guesses. What, what do you think? What's the reason? You see that number of a peer, and you can't help but look around and go, really? Really? Is that what that person's thinking? And you start to wonder if they're doing enough for that compensation, especially given what you're doing, which leads to fatigue in a real hurry, which leads you to question the covenant that you made in the first place. You see that in the story today? The owner did, the owner did exactly what the owner promised. To the first people, he said, I'll give you this daily wage. To the second people, he said, I'll give you what's fair. To the third people, he said, I don't know. Just get on out there and we'll see what happens. Who was lied to? Who was uh, backstabbed? Who did he flip on? In fact, um, the thing I've said a number of times in reading and, and talking about this text in worship is if they're lined up this way, you know, from here to there, and starting at 5 a.m. is here, and starting at 5 p.m. is at the water fountain, and you see guy at 5 p.m. at the water fountain just got a denarian, you're like, oh, yes. Yes, sir. You love it. Because you figure it's going to go from here at the water fountain to me. So their expectations changed. So in that moment, when you think about terms, when you think about fatigue, when you think about comparison, and you think about who was first and who was last, I'll ask you, would you rather be first or last? And of course, that's begging me, begging me to talk about Talladega Nights. If you ain't first, you're last, right? That's one difference between 9 and 11. Probably won't do that one at 11. <laughs> you start to wonder if you want to participate in this covenant that was made. And that's your last phrase. Chaos or covenant? Which one do you want? You're not going to set the terms. You know why? Because you get it for about three feet in every direction from you. That's about as much as you comprehend. You may think you see a lot further than that, but you see about three feet in each direction. You are not mentally, spiritually equipped to dictate the terms. But what you can do is an accept an opportunity for covenant and be excited about it. See, when people ask me whether someone's in or not, whether someone's accepted or not, whether someone's forgiven or not, what they want to know is the terms, and what they want to dictate are the terms. We can't. We just can't see far enough. Whatever you are, wherever you are, we've got to remember the joy of the day that our life went from chaos to covenant. And sometimes it flits back. 
based on things we can't control. Sometimes it flips back based on something we did. Sometimes it flips back because of something our boss did that was unacceptable. But for the opportunities we have, the days that we have in which our life has switched from one to the other, we've got to be grateful. I'll tell you one last thing. I was um, about 10 years old in my household, and my sisters were almost gone. We had moved across town. I lived in two places, in Rock Hill, on one side of town and on the other side of town. And on one side of the town, my sisters were there, and on the other side of town, it was basically just me, because they were 8 and 10 years older than me, 8 and almost 11 years older than me. Those two sisters each have two daughters, and I have two daughters. My entire tree, but for my dog and my dad, is female. And I've said, I think the closest a man can get to understanding, I think I'm in that realm. I think I'm in that area code at least. And I learned an important lesson when I was 10. My mom had, uh, was a, a middle school media specialist, which is so strange that Katie is helping as a media specialist and she's Mrs. Kate, just like my mom was. She was a media specialist, and she decided when I was, I'm too young to remember, I've got to take a break. And she stepped away. And when she stepped away, a number of the seats were filled. And when she decided to come back, no one was standing up. And I don't know how long it was until someone stood up, but I was in the kitchen the day she got a call that she had an opportunity. And her knees buckled, and she went down to the ground, and she cried. I don't know why, oh, I do know why my dad was there. He was a real estate agent, so he could be anywhere at any time. And he was home, and he said, are you, are you happy? <laughs> and she was like this. Yes, yes, I'm happy. I learned that day that crying can equal happiness. I had no idea. Never once from that day forward, if she felt something about her job, did she not remember that day when she was truly happy when it moved from chaos to covenant? Now you think about the times, the opportunities you've had, the chances you've had to participate. You think about the gratitude that you have for those things. And I want you finally to think about where are other places in which I can accept a covenant in the midst of chaos in my life. And let me not approach God with a if you, I will. But simply, Lord, let me understand. Let me participate. Let me help. Because you have always helped me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll join me in our um, modern affirmation. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit, 
as the divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. It's now time for our offering, and you'll see in the extravagant generosity section you can give as the plate comes by or um, text to give with your electronic device.
please stand and sing this last one with us.